Hello, everybody. I'm Damon Valentino, and this is the Stimulus and Response Podcast, part public therapy session, part idea and story exchange on the best parts and best ways of being human and being alive. This week, my co-host Jeremy N. Smith is off, and we're featuring a conversation I had with Takako Hoshi, a coach of the Japanese Olympic rock climbing team, whose members have been the winningest team in worldwide competition over the past seven years. Takako and I talk a bit about coaching and how to help athletes and others find the best within themselves, but even more about finding the courage to be yourself and to find and choose happiness in settings ranging from solo international travel to sheltering in place in a pandemic, even more especially when you run out of toilet paper. It's entertaining, inspiring, and totally original, just like Takako herself. Welcome, Takako. I wanted to start with the background you bring to coaching. JimClimber.com wrote, quote, Other coaches make you fit the mold. Hoshi brings out the best in you so that the mold fits you, end quote. Growing up, were you somebody that didn't fit in or fit the mold yourself? Yeah, since I was a little kid, I felt I was a bit strange and didn't fit in a typical expectation of the society or the parents. Like, I have 12 classmates in my school, only 12, six boys and six girls. And some of the curriculum, we have to buy some sewing kit. And Mm -hmm. always school made us choose that girls will choose red and the boys will choose blue. But I didn't like the color red at that time. I choose blue as my choice. (laughs) I didn't choose the default setting. I always asked if I can choose this character or this color on my own. And I think it was a very special and strange things that teachers ever heard. But luckily, they allowed me to choose what I wanted. And I wasn't trying to be selfish but I always knew what is not comfortable with me and what I want to be my choice so when I go to university the people's choice was to go to the good university in order to get into the good company in order to get the good comfortable salary to make family and make some luxury life but I never had an interest on it I don't know why but I didn't want to work for a company to be part of the wheel. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be stuck in doing what I am told to do. I wanted to do something inspiring and creative and exploring everywhere. And I think good trait that I received is I take people as they are, not Mm. having a judgment in advance or not putting in a typical stereotype or so on. I treat everybody as they are, as a soul, and not categorized into something because I didn't want to be categorized in any of those things. And just to build my own values from scratch, not mm-hmm. from the book, not from the media, just with the fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And I find it 
super exciting doing it. And I think that is really my base value in me that I want to give all the fresh opportunities to everything from scratch. I appreciate your concept around base value. That's a really neat way to describe this courage to choose what feels most appropriate for you on a deeper level. I want us to think about how much control we have of our own lives and what kind of choices that we can make. When was the first time you just launched off and you weren't sure what the heck was going to happen? Yeah. When I was studying in the States, I had a two months of summer holiday and I had never had this kind of huge holiday to myself without any commitment mm. because mm-hmm. in Japan we have a lot of school activities like club activities and there's no one block of holidays that you can use your own. So I was so happy and a lot of friends decided to go on travel with the group, but I didn't want to do that. Mm. I had a theory that I wanted to prove. <laughs> I had a theory that if people have a good will to communicate with a good conscious, a person to person can understand one another mm. and this world will be much more meaningful. So I decided to go to South America, Ecuador, and staying with the family by myself without knowing any culture, any language, or anyone over there, (laughs) just because I wanted to prove this is possible. So I flew. And that was a really nice experience because I stayed with the family of three children, Mm. mom and dad and three children, and children went to the university. One of them, a low student, one of them studying medicine. And the father was a banker and the mother was a housewife. Mm -hmm. And I think in Dandat, it was one of the very well-off family. Mm -hmm. And yet I was shocked that I was surrounded by children or people Mm -hmm. who was in need immediately. And I didn't know what to do immediately. But this was a typical daily situation for them, and they knew what to do. Or there was always iron bar locked inside mm-hmm. of the house with the TV locked in with the iron bars. All the valuables were protected, and the houses was surrounded by the wall of broken glasses so that if somebody tried to come in to steal something, they could hear it or mm. protect themselves. But people believe that those who doesn't have much steals from those who have a lot is mm. okay and accepted mm. and it's normal. So these things happen all the time. So I was quite shocked. And yeah. also when I was by the church, I was wearing the earring, hooked earring, mm. and suddenly I was touched mm-hmm. and I look around and there was this lady who was sitting by the church, told me something that I didn't understand. And I understood later on that she was warning me to take off the earring. Otherwise, people will pull the ears off and take that earring. In my entire life for about 18 years, I have never seen poverty. And that was shocking. And I really 
had an urged feeling that I had to do something in my life for the better future. Wow. Anyway, that story aside, this family, the mom was the house mom and she mm-hmm. was always nice to me. In Ecuador, people, the family dinner time is around 10 p.m. and usually in Japan, six, seven o'clock or seven thirty. Yeah, that's and late. Yeah, it's quite late. We promise to meet at nine and usually start at ten o'clock. So it will be <laughs> a time difference. And so when I was not eating that much at the dinner, the mother was showing a little sad face. Then mm. she said, "Porque?" <laughs> and that time I understood what "porque" means in Spanish without any translation, without anything, Mm. because I was sensitive and open with all the senses. I was very observant and Mm. I understood with that emotion, that means why. Mm. This experience made me learn a lot about understanding different cultures through expressions and tones of the people. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't have any prior knowledge or judgment or language understanding of their culture, I could take as it was and learned authentic culture through them. And that was a very valuable experience for me. I wanted to be like that. I wanted to learn like that for the rest of my life. Kai, you're hitting on so many things that I feel are so important and that I'm coming back to at this stage of my life in in so many ways that I can now see clearer. The way you talked about just going to Ecuador, no plan, no language, and that you just by being available for the experience with no knowledge, you began to learn by paying attention. You knew what porque meant just because you see her face and you understand the situation. She's asking you, why are you not eating the food? And you can understand that word means why. And the way I was framing my mind when I was thinking of having this conversation with you was around this concept of choice. The choice was to explore. The exploration was unknown. And the choice was to pay attention in the middle of the experience. People who are travelers, they feed off of that. They thrive on the unknown and the ability to adapt. Those that struggle with travel, they expect the place to make them feel something. Yeah, 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 yes. Or they expect the place to be like they saw on the website or they expect to not bring their own problems with them. I go to a beautiful paradise beach, I feel paradise inside. It's not true, you still come with you. And the choice that most interests me is the one that you're speaking of, where you go and you have an experience, there's no preconceived idea of what it will be, but it changes it changed you. It added value and experience within you. And that then the next choice takes this into consideration. I see poverty. I come home. I want to make the world a better place. I know more about it. And that is, to me, 
the beauty of not just travel, but living with more of an open mind. And I think that this is a really important topic right now. How do we do the same thing that we talk about with this travel in normal everyday life? Mm -hmm. And is there even such a thing as normal everyday life? I think we can always go back to the traveler spirit in our daily life, I find. Even in the COVID times, I found because we were supposed to be stuck at home, not really encouraged to go out and meet anybody or experience something new. So all the things that is in this box, square meters of this indoor setting, so that doesn't call traveling, maybe some people might say. But I looked inward of this house and found a lot of things I haven't been explored yet. Because I'm always with uh, things that I want to learn as a new skill or new knowledge or new view of uh, looking at things or seeing things or creating something that I always wanted to create out of my hand. So as long as we resourceful of our knowledge and imagination and creation, we can always be back to that traveler spirit, seeing the new things and creating a new relationship or producing something creative to the world. Because I I feel grateful that I am living under the roof, protected mm. and just so simple and basic. But even for that, I feel grateful. Mm. And I feel grateful because I have electricity and I'm feeling grateful because I have internet to get connected to you on the other <laughs> side of the planet. And I don't feel alone at all because I can get the selective knowledge from the internet mm. and also get connected when I wanted to rally our minds with somebody I trust. Mm -hmm. So that was quite good. I had plenty of books I haven't read mm -hmm. and I had so many theories and experiment I wanted to do. <laughs> so <laughs> mm. everything is for giving different perspectives to those who is in need. Mm -hmm. And I feel happy that I can do all these things if I wanted to and when I wanted to. Mm, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you, first of all, for that, because I think it what you just did is you just boiled it back down to gratitude. And we can be grateful for very small things that typically we take for granted to have a home, to have internet, to talk with me across the world, uh, to have books, to be safe. These things sometimes are taken for granted. But the way you framed this it, it suddenly it made me feel more content where I am. And it also reminded me of a traveler spirit mindset that was very alive in me uh, when I was doing these trips. I remember landing in Delhi and I remember reading The Lonely Planet before landing in Delhi. And I had already been in Asia for one month, primarily in Thailand, enough time where I felt a little more accustomed to the rhythm of Asia. And so I knew that there was a fake taxi service <laughs> in the Delhi airport and that you had to watch out for that one because they were going to take you somewhere. They were going to swindle you 
from mm. your money. And we landed at two in the morning. So it was getting luggage and then walking out of the airport. And I followed a group of Israeli travelers. And I always felt it's safer to be in these groups. And I saw the right taxi stand. And I was like, oh, ho, yes, I'm doing a great job right now. And I go and I get the taxi and they put the bag in the back. And I, I'm feeling very proud of myself. I navigated this tricky moment. And a man comes, he's okay. And he gets in, he starts to try to start the car. And another man starts running up to the car. Yay! And he takes the man that was going to drive the car and he pulls him out of the car. And he gets in the car. Another friend of his gets in the car. And then we start, dri <laughs> start driving. And now I don't know what just happened. Did the guys just steal the car from the correct driver or what? And now I'm in these shanty town area of Delhi at the mercy of these men. I have no nothing, right? But I was not afraid. And I also remember looking over to my right out the window and there was a beautiful crescent moon just hanging right on the horizon. And it calmed me down. It comforted me. And I can see that moon here now. And it reminds me of that travel spirit of basic needs. And I remember these guys actually took me to the right place. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so grateful th that they were decent, kind human beings. And I remember getting in my room and feeling like it was a paradise, like it was a mansion. And it was a small little backpacker guest house, but it was my room. And I pulled out my candle and my incense and took a shower and put on some coconut oil on my face and just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world. I'm safe, I have my things, I have myself. And it just transported me back to that time when you mentioned I have a safe house. And it's almost like we get older and we expect that those things don't matter as much anymore. So I keep coming back to this idea around choice. We started this conversation mm -hmm. thinking about choice in terms of geographical choice. We travel, mm -hmm. we go. We're now at a point when it's choice as to what to think and how to be. You mentioned COVID. You mentioned lockdown. I know many people are struggling right now and things are not the way they were. Can we think about that a little bit more? Mm. You sound almost cheerful as you describe <laughs> these things. Yes. Most people don't feel that way right now. What, <laughs> how is it possible? Where does that come yeah. from? I, I found with this uh, COVID-19 times, at the beginning, it was as if I was watching the science fiction movie because mm. nobody has expected to be like this and mm. in a worldwide scale. And I was as if looking at things and also expecting where this is going in the end and where is the landing place and so on. This required a lot of imagination, I think. And I found, I felt free to mm. be able to think on my own and I think it is valuable because there's no right answer. So I was quite excited, to be honest, and wanted to 
come up with very creative new solutions that might work or that might not work. Because all of a sudden you're talking about UFO and everything. And <laughs> it was crazy times. And I think looking back after 100 years or even 10 years from now, I think this time quite special in the end. And mm. a lot of people also in Japan, small or big, everyone was suffering. And I don't deny that difficulty in life. But besides the people who are really fighting in a workplace and also being a savior for the people in the hospital, all these noble people who were fighting for us, like cleaning the street with the garbage collection, because they were working regularly full time, we were living comfortably. And so everything was normal because of their effort. But on the other side, I cannot deny that there were some people in difficult times because they cannot open for business and they cannot see when it's going to end, when they can reopen. And the government was putting the best of they could, but for some, it wasn't enough. Uh, it wasn't enough solution for everybody to be happy at their own standard. But I think there was always a choice. Mm -hmm. As long as we didn't stuck with the values that we make it with in our head. Mm. If we could be a little bit more open to options that we could have, there's always the choice that we can choose. For example, some people were complaining $1,000 for everybody is not enough to survive or even 20K is not good enough for their business to survive and so on and so forth. But I thought it was quite great that government decided to give away $1,000 for everybody, including foreigners living in Japan. And with this, if the life in Tokyo was hard, then we have a choice to move out of this big city and do something. It might not easy, but I told you about how I was excited to find so many things to do inside of the house. If I choose to look at what I don't have, which is the inconvenience of not getting out freely or without feeling guilty of some people's eyes, or if I choose to see the situation that I don't have too much toilet paper on hands, mm. or my job might not last for longer time, or something like that, then my focus shifts in there. But if I choose to look at the situation with what I already have on hand, mm -hmm. even inside of the house without going out, I have one toilet paper that I have. And if I run out of this, I can be creative. Imagine I'm in Southeast Asia mm. or they use hands to wash ourselves. We can wash our hands very well mm -hmm. and then... We don't get sick and we can survive. We don't have to rely on some products that mm. might run out, for example. Mm -hmm. And I have enough food to survive for the next two days. Then I will think about going out of the supermarket to get some minimum stuff and to survive for the next two days and next two days. And instead of having a fresh vegetable every day, I can marinate it, I can pickle it so that it can 
keep it longer time instead of consuming in just one day. We can use all sorts of imagination and resources and wisdom to create our life. And I think that is the choice that we can do. Mm. And everyone has a choice, no matter what. That's my belief. And as long as we are open and creative and take the chances for us to live with challenges. Mm, so inspiring. And it's funny, you and I met and bonded over our experience traveling to California to join a training around flow. And flow simply is a state of consciousness where we perform our best and we feel our best. And the man who did most of the research, as you well know, is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And he talked about how, as a young boy, people who came through concentration camps and through all the horrors of war, that a certain type of person was able to not only survive that experience, but find a deeper meaning to life and to themselves through this idea that we have a choice. I think it's at the center of so much in our lives. And many of us have been conditioned to expect certain mm -hmm. things to happen. If I go to a good university, I'll get a good job. If I do well in my job, I will move up and make more money. If I make more money, I can buy the house. If I buy the house, I can provide for my kids. All of the if ands in life. But to me, I always feel like this is a place that's very dangerous because it is an assumption. We're assuming that only we have to do this one thing, this one side, and then everything else falls into place. And when that doesn't happen, we feel cheated. We suffer because it doesn't live up to what we set our mind to see. And that is also a choice. And I really find it so powerful to break that down to these very simple things of, I can be resourceful. It's acceptance that what is. And then if we accept what is with the awareness of what it makes us feel, then we have options to choose okay, I have sanitized soap, I have running water, I don't need toilet paper. I can do this without toilet paper. Not only that, it can actually be fun to experience new ways of doing things and new habits. This is novelty in action. And novelty is a flow trigger. It is one of the places where we can become more connected to the moment, a present moment. And that does feel rewarding and that feels good and if you ask the big question what is it all about what are we even doing here we often think that there is some story that needs to be told that we have lots of control over we were told we have control over but we don't have that much control at, at the end of the day I, I know you consider yourself a person who is humble and yet when I type in your name and Google and do some research, there are these really powerful stories and articles around 
you as a coach on the National Olympic rock climbing team and your team as one of the top teams in the world in rock climbing, is some of the stuff that we're talking about relevant for your athletes and how they can perform at the highest level? I wish I do. I really <laughs> wish I do, but I'm trying to improve myself and getting closer to engineer or re-engineer the state of flow so that I will be able to execute and be in the float at the right time, at the right moment. And in order to do that, I'm always trying to be very observant and knowing who they are and trying to get them to know who they are. I think my role is to be observant of the situation of when to execute and how to execute at that moment and try to get rid of all the obstacles that might influence them. And I myself try not to do much because everything they need is within them. Mm. And I'm just there to help when needed for them to explore and be at their best to become who they are in their performance. And that gives a total satisfaction and learning feedback for them to even excel more. And I try to be quite hidden in a way. I think everyone is different and all the athletes are different. And knowing ourselves and what we value the most and how we grew up and what we see interesting in which part and what makes us joy is all different. And how we approach that is also very different. But luckily in my work, that is quite pure. They want to perform their best in the competition. And in order to give the best result, they have to take their own journey hmm. to reach that place. And I am just taking a journey hidden. But when they feel uncomfortable being in that state, then I might take my own approach to organize things so that they can get back on the track on their own. I think the important thing is it's not coming from us, but they are the one who is finding their own way back. And I'm just hinting. I'm just being there to hint that it's all within them for them to be able to do the best performance of themselves. Does it make sense? It does make sense. It's such a powerful concept. As a coach, I am a high-performance coach. I work with people in similar goals and dreams to be the best at whatever it is that they're doing. And I feel like it's a spiritual discipline to be a coach because the way you described it is it's coaching from behind. And you're not telling anyone what they need to add to become the best. You're hinting at what they already are and helping them to maybe unlock and remind them of what they already are. And that's such a beautiful concept, but it's very tempting as a coach, as a parent, as a business leader, executive, CEO. It's very tempting to tell people what 
they should do. And I find this is a very difficult way to learn. And in a lot of ways, it takes me back to when I was in high school complaining, why are these people telling me what I should learn, what I should do? I need to go experience it for myself. I want to write my own book. And now I see that from the coach perspective. And I hear that from you, that you understand that it's not your job. And frankly, it won't make them better for you to tell them what to do, what they should do, that you're hinting at some things that they already are. And that's, that's a choice as well. It's a choice to make. I find that to be really challenging sometimes when I forget that Wait, if I think about some of my clients, I'm like, why can't they see it? We've talked about it. We've discussed it. We've explored it. And here we are still in this place that is not making improvement. And then my ego comes involved. And I think it shows that I'm not very good at my coaching. They're not representing what we've talked about. If they only did XYZ, this would all be okay. And when I'm in a good place in my mind, I remember the way that's not the point. The destination is not a success in this. It's this process in this journey of discovery. So then I have a different respect for the challenge. And the challenge becomes the experience. And when I make that choice, it shifts how I interact with them, it shifts how I interact with myself, the energy that I provide in my nervous system is now calm but alert. And I know how to communicate. And sometimes that means not communicate and allow somebody to, to give them the space to go through this process and make it feel normal in some ways, that it's organic. How is it possible in the spirit of choice to see now as special? And what might that mean for our listeners who are just like you and I, struggling every day to make sense and to understand the best ways to be alive? Why is there opportunity now to make that type of progress, in your opinion? So, to me, that choice comes from inside of us, like a genuinely what we choose to do, what we choose to be. But in order to make our choice genuine, we have to know who we are and we have to practice to make our souls shine, I think. Mm. And just like giving the emergency oxygen mm. to yourself first, before you give it to your children in emergency situations, you have to know yourself and take care of yourself first to come up with your own choice. And the choice is not given from someone or somewhere. Choice doesn't exist because of the comparison. Choice isn't there because it is supposed to be, you are supposed to choose that option compared to others. The choice, no matter what people say, how it looks like, what the expectation that society has, the choice has to come from inner self without having uh, second influences coming from outside. 
And once you can have that choice to something that works for you, that positive choice makes another choice possible from there. Mm. And having experience living abroad or working in the national environment or going through difficult times, those are some experiences that have given me open eyes for sure. But whether having this experience or not, we all go through some difficulties or uncomfortability and something that we cannot control over. But these experiences gives us a lot of insights that we learn from because we have to cope with that situation. We have to go through that uncomfortability, but we have to come out from the other side of the shore. And during this time, we are doing our best unconsciously. And as long as we are honest and fully there to make effort to be the better version of ourselves, the choice should come out naturally from inside out. Mm. And this is not the choice that has been out there in the world or in the media that is supposed to be the right or wrong or good or bad. And this choice can be different and should be different because we are all different. And in Japan, we have this virtue that we respect to live our life fully and nicely. And right now in the world, there are so many arguments or sufferings or fears or things out there that people are facing. And too often we talk about what is right or wrong or what is good or bad. What is the way it should be or shouldn't be argument. But I have a choice. I choose the beauty, which is more beautiful in action that I can be proud of. Mm. So if I am given the choice of two, I would choose my option based on the beauty of my action. Not because I think it's right or wrong or good or bad, but I will choose according to my belief, which is more beautiful as a person to be able to give to the world. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Does it make sense? My English is not very good, so I don't know if it makes sense. It does make sense. It does. And it feels calming when you say it that way. And it also feels like a challenge for every individual to have a deeper understanding of what they believe. I think too much responsibility has been given to the external, the outside for shaping people. And maybe it's time in this time of COVID, in this time of racial and social injustice here in the United States, in this time of climate catastrophe and losing species to extinction and forests and CO2 and water levels and everything, all of these mm -hmm. things, that individuals need to take this time as an opportunity to choose to look within. And I think that you are the type of person right now and this type of message is one that isn't meant to tell anyone what they should be but it's one that for people listening, they can use this as a way to ask 
those curious questions of themselves as we will continue to do with ourselves. And hopefully, as you say, this can be looked back on as a really pivotal time where some very special things happened to the human race on this planet. Definitely. Takako, we've touched on some amazing and powerful topics, and I just really am grateful to have this type of conversation with you. Any final words from you? If you choose to look at how lucky we are, we'll be centered. And if you are centered and if you value yourself without judgment, without fear, then you can create and provide for the greater good. And if you appreciate it, if you feel grateful and give this to the world, the world will give back to you. And if we loop like that, I think it's enough. Mm. And we are enough. And we are giving our best. And we are enough. I believe in that way. What a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. I would like to do it again sometimes. That's why we keep exploring, whether we are traveling or just exploring our mind. That's the beauty. Let's do it. Let's definitely do it. Thank you, Takako. Thank you all for listening. Jeremy will be back next time, and we'll take the conversation from there. Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy N. Smith and produced by Matt Mullins at Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts, the best ways of being human and being